Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Good evening, a thousand good morrows, and welcome to ye old affirmative murder. I am Alvin of House Williams, terror of Achilles, express shipper of cargo, traveler of the air to the seas, joined by my trusty squire, Francel Jonathan of House Evans, deliverer of mail, the human raven, son of red dragon rider, the birther of Sophia, queen of the future realms. Listen, if it's not clear, I'm very excited. Uh, we are coming to you on a Monday, so Game of Thrones has premiered, folks. Let's give it up for that. No, no one cares. Boo. Yes, no, the applause are happening as you boo. Yes, yes. The biggest show in the world has come back. It's returned to us after a long 18 months. I'm sure the episode was fantastic. I'm coming to you from the past. I can only assume. Fran. You're clearly excited as well. No, not. Uh, well, well, what, okay, it's Sunday. What are you doing tonight when everyone's watching Game of Thrones and live tweeting? NBA playoffs. <laughs> Come on. A peasant's game. <laughs> Come on now. Watch a game of I, I watch I watch a game of royal blood. You either win or you die. Yeah. Game, Fantasy in the Game of Thrones. Fiction. Call it what you will, sir. <laughs> the world is watching. Sure. The world will not be watching the yeah. NBA playoffs tonight. The world will be watching Thrones. Sure. Anyway, uh, if it wasn't made clear, I'm Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Franco Evans. What up? Uh, folks, uh, before I get into the topics of the week, I want to um, have to give my uh, true praise to Game of Thrones. Uh, I want to take a quick second to just touch on uh, it's official that the transgender military ban has gone into effect. That has been made 100% official. So I just wanted to touch on that really quick. There's nothing really to be said. It's awful, obviously. But I just want to say to anybody who's a fan of this, um, how would you feel if, you know, in in response to this, your children are now have to sign up to do a job that people want to do and you're not letting them do? That's how I think about it. Because I'm not like, we've stated multiple times in this podcast, I ain't signing up. Yeah, me either. You know, it's not happening. So I think to to remove somebody from a position when they have fully accepted like, oh, you can die if you do this job. Mm-hmm. And they go, I don't care. I want to serve my country. I, this is how I want to spend my life. This is the job I choose. And you go, ah, well, we don't really like your lifestyle. It's kind of funny. And uh, it's costing us money. Whatever kind of, I don't really, I've heard I've heard stories of um, 
trans people using the, their medical expenses come out of like the benefits that they get from being in the military. I don't know how common that is. I know that's not every story, but that's, excuse me, I just had some coffee. That is the, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I haven't done full, like my full research on it, but I believe that's their justification. Like this is costing us money to keep these people in the military. So get the fuck out. But it's such a small percentage of people. What you do know? you mean it costs? I don't understand. Like to go through their transition. I think there have been cases of that uh, being their, their medical expenses have gone through their insurance but we're talking about like three percent of the military you know what i mean it's, mm-hmm. it's such a personal attack when did you know that uh erectile dysfunction medication is provided by the military to all the men and you know what i mean so there's other outlets of money that are that are that could have been cut that are like no nah, that's that's our money like mm-hmm. that that's fine but let's go cut let's make a cut here mm-hmm. Just to save money to go spend it on somewhere else or put in somebody's pocket. I don't really know. But it just, this feels really personal. And as somebody who isn't going to sign up to serve, it's like, it, it, it feels like a big fuck you to them. To yeah. me, as somebody just from looking from the outside, because who signs up to do that job? You got to be a different type of person to go put a gun in my hand and I, could, I, won't, I might not come home next month. Mm. So I don't understand. You should be open. If they pass the test to be able to go into the military, then you should let them serve in the military. That's all I really have to say on that because that's really depressing. I think that's kind of, it just feels like so bullyish, and I'm not a fan of bully, and that's what it feels like. And 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 I, I welcome anybody who wants to remain because I know it's kind of a. This is one of those topics where if you're if you're on the side of the of the ban, you're mm-hmm. kind of seen as a villain, you know. But I don't I don't know that I'm not gonna I'm not gonna cast a wide net. Mm-hmm. So if there's anybody listening right now that wants to DM me an article or any kind of research or whatever showing me the facts as to why this makes sense. I won't, you know, share it with your name or anything like that. But please, and I would love to be enlightened and un- and fully understand why this is being done. And if it's not a bully tactic, show me. I'd like. I, l- I really, genuinely, I'm not being like antagonizing or being sarcastic. I really mean like if if you have the facts, please show them to me because I'd love to see them. So that's all I really have to say on that. Now, Fran, uh, to move on from that really quick, I want to give a shout out to uh, this dude, Rick Stratton. I told him I would. He put that post on the. Uh, Affirmative Murder Facebook group, yeah. and I wanted to give him a shout out because he really reminded me of um, when we started this podcast. We had we had you know a bit of a mission statement. Then the first part of the mission statement has been made clear. You know we wanted to talk about uh, murders that don't get a lot of light shed on them, uh, little known killers, little known victims, and um, we've made that really clear from up front. The second part, which you know we touch on a bit but not much, is. Uh, true crime is a very uh, female-dominated uh, uh, industry. You know, the listeners, the 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 shows themselves. You know, women women are what keep true crime alive. And that's just a fact. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I appreciate the support from all. We have women, all ages, all races. It's it's beautiful, and I really respect and appreciate that. When you hear from a person of color, say it's really cool to hear two people of color talking about true crime because it, it it's not really uh common especially mm-hmm. male mm-hmm. you know shout out to um shout out to it's about damn crime uh they're kind of like our sister podcast to hispanic women but mm-hmm. they're still women to hear two black men talking about true crime i i never heard that and that's kind of what mur- motivated us to do this in the first motivated us that's kind of what motivated nice. us to do this in the first place is we didn't hear our voices in this space mm-hmm. so if we could 
be that beacon for somebody, I think that's super dope. And Rick Stratton kind of said that, like, oh, y'all sound like me, and y'all talk about Martin or whatever kind of random mm-hmm. re- references that you make that I get. And mm-hmm. I wasn't getting that in this space. And although this is a very women-dominated industry, and I love that and I appreciate that, I, I would love to carve out a little slice of just, like, we're, like, the black male true crime podcast that gets people interested in pot and true crime that didn't think that they were because mm-hmm. this is just a fact black people love first 48 mm-hmm. you know like we the memes and the jokes about people snitching in the interrogation room and all that kind of that's a true crime show mm-hmm. so black people have a love for true crime they might just not know it and i think if if me and you are doing the thing where we're presenting it in a way that resonates with black people I think that's super dope. So whenever I hear from people like Rick saying, hey, man, it's super cool to hear the true crime. I never really was into the genre, but then I hear you guys talking about it and it, it kind of feels more like I'm talking to people from where I'm from. Right. And I think that's super dope. So yeah. I want to give a shout out to Rick Stratton for kind of touching on our mission statement that we that wasn't the that wasn't the one we front led with. We front led with, you know, we want to talk about less known murders and less known victims and people of color and, you know, that are victims and executors of these crimes. And that was what we put on the front end. But on the back end, we wanted to be the two black dudes talking about true crime. And I think that that's dope to get shouted out for that. To yeah. say, hey, man, that, it's dope to hear two black dudes that sound like me and, and look like me talking about this in a way that is not the cookie cutter way that I've heard all the other true crime podcasts do it. Mm-hmm. So shout out to Rick again, uh, to his girlfriend. Listen, mm-hmm. listen to the podcast. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, if, if, if you're listening to this right now, Rick's right. He's always right. And he's on the money with his recommendation for this podcast. Mm-hmm. Lucinda. Is that her name? I don't know. That don't was a guess. Know. That okay. was a guess. I'll be honest. And that's very, unless Rick is 40, <laughs> he's probably not dating a girl named Lucinda. So uh, whatever your name is, Queen, you know, we would love a listen. And, uh, and if you don't like it, cut us off. But give us, give us a shot. We'd appreciate that. Now, another thing that I thought uh, was dope is on the comment of that, somebody made a comment about they could tell that we were from Baltimore. Um, oh and, yeah, I just see that. And we've and we it was it was a uh, it was a uh, I think her name's Amber. You know you know a girl be on on the prison uh, prison on Instagram. Mm-hmm. It was her. You know it was Instagram girl. But you know we don't. <laughs> hey, that's your business. You know. Oh, that's her. That was her that said it. Mm-hmm. She could tell we were from Baltimore. But um, you know, hey, hey, Queen. That's your business. We're not gonna bring that up again. That, how you got there? That's on you. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I don't judge. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I what, will. <laughs> what I wanted to do is I wanted to pass you this because so it's two tests, right? Okay. It's two tests. It's two tests on here. Okay. So it's two tests. This is here. If I don't know if my charger okay, cord. Go. Oh God! No, my iPhone. Uh, there's. So what I want you to do is make sure you swipe right. Okay. Because okay. I was feeling thick AF yesterday. I took some. <laughs> <laughs> I, took, I, t- I took some. I took some voluptuous photos. So I don't want you to see those. So make sure you swipe right. Now listen. So what you're gonna do is you're gonna read those words and how you would read them. Don't try to <laughs> don't try to mask it. Just read them how you would read them. Uh, then when you're done, you're gonna swipe right. Okay. Don't swipe left uh, unless you want to treat. Uh, <laughs> swipe right, and there are questions. Okay. You're gonna ask those questions to me. Okay. So you're gonna swipe. Once you're finished reading those words, swipe right once, it's eight questions. So swipe right, it's only six on the next page, and then on the next page is two more. And then don't swipe any more after that. (laughs) Okay? All right, cool. So go ahead. This is, this is, uh, I I saw um, the host of the Fall Line podcast. Shout out to her. It's an amazing podcast. Uh, They're actually one of the first podcasts on um, uh, Karen Kilgariff and Georgia Hartstarks. They have a a true crime podcast network, Mm -hmm. and they're one of the first, her podcast is one of the first podcasts on there. And on her Instagram account, she did this accent test to see if you have an accent. Okay. So it's not really up to you 
people will hear if you do the words in a certain kind I'm of way. I'm just supposed to read it how Just read them how you will read them. Don't try to, you know, put some don't put some fucking don't put on an eloquent voice, don't put on your bill collector voice. Just read them how you will read them. And go. So, but am I reading how if I'm not if I was to say it If not you just reading, saw this on a li- on a menu, you're no, in a restaurant. I'm, I'm saying if I was to say it but I'm not like I'm not looking at something to read the word if I was No, just no, you just it, how you would say it, it casually. Okay. All right, got you. Ant. Okay. Is that what is that? Like an ant like the bug? No. Oh, like the the, the relation. Yeah. Okay. Ant. Okay. <laughs> Roof. Roof. Okay. <laughs> Route. Route. Okay. Yeah. Route. Yeah. Wash. Wash. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oil. Oil. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's sounds- now yeah. Uh, we get a lot of like here in Maryland. We people say we say wash, but I think that's like white wash. people from Baltimore. But yeah, you said wash. That sounds right to me. Go ahead. Yeah. Theater. What? Theater. Theater. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that sounds uh, to me. It sounds. We're going to have to hear from people because you're talking to me. I think it sounds fine. Go ahead. Iron. Iron? Yeah. Okay, iron. Yeah, that one's that one's a little... <laughs> iron, okay. Salmon. Salmon, yeah, no. Yeah, okay. Yeah, now is a... <laughs> Salmon, okay. You sound like a Beverly Hills Billy. Uh, okay, salmon. Caramel. Caramel. Yeah, I say, I, say, I say caramel. Fire. Fire, yeah. Yeah, fire. Water. I don't even know how you can say that wrong. Yeah, water. Water. Yeah, I think we say it's like an R. Yeah. Water. Uh-huh. I, I respect that. Sure. Sure? Like, yeah. sure, like are you sure? Yeah. Yeah, I think. How else would you yeah. say that? Data. Data. Some people say data, though. Yep. I think I say data, though. Like, if I was in a conversation, I'd say data, probably. Data, yeah. Ruin. Ruin. Okay, yeah. Crayon. Some people say crayon. Say crayon. Yeah, I say crayon, too. Yeah. It's a crayon. Yeah. Crayon? Uh, crayon. Yeah, I don't mean, yeah, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> Uh, New Orleans, yeah, New Orleans, yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess some people might say New Orleans, yeah. And if you're from there, you probably say like Nolans, Nolans. <laughs> but I don't, I don't know how to say that right. I uh, say New Orleans though. Yeah, New Orleans. Um, pecan, pecan. Yeah, I say pecan. Some people um, say pecan. Yeah, that's that highbrow shit though. That's like you know you're trying to be bougie. Yeah, <laughs> it's pecan. It's a pecan. Calm yeah. down, okay. Uh, booth, booth. Yeah. Oh wait, is this both? This is both. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, don't say that. If you say that, you are from a different planet. Both. <laughs> yeah, both of these. Can I get both of these? I don't know where you're from if you say that. Uh, again. A what? Again. What is a- it? Again. Like again? Again, yeah. Okay, you again. said again. Is that how you say it? Again. Again? Yeah. Again. Again? Again? Like, I want to see that again. Or I do it again. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's interesting, man. I don't I don't know what this accent is, but it definitely is something. A- that, again? Some of them. Yeah, I'll do again? it again. I'll do it again. Uh, okay. Yeah, all right. Sure. All right, okay. All right. Probably. I say probably. Yeah. When I Let's get when I get more casual, <laughs> when I'm feeling real casual, I might slip into probably. You know, uh, spitting image. I don't even know how you could say that wrong. Spitting image. Yeah. Uh, sure. Alabama. Yeah, that's what it's called. Ah, this is a good one. Lawyer. Law. What? Lawyer. Lawyer. Yeah. Lawyer. Lawyer. Say lawyer. Lawyer. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. <laughs> I knew that was going to be because yeah, that's how law- I said. <laughs> lawyer. All right. Coupon. Coupon, yeah. Uh-huh. Some people say coupon. Coupon? Okay. Some people say that. I know. I say coupon, though. Coupon, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, mayonnaise. Mayonnaise? Mayonnaise. Mayonnaise. You say, I say mayonnaise. Mayonnaise. I say mayonnaise. 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 Oh, it's that it's that that highbrow on those a words because you pajamas, mm, some pajamas. That's very like you know 
Yeah, Beverly Hills. Oh, pajamas. <laughs> mm. Caught. Caught. Like you caught it? Yeah. I caught a fish? Yeah. Yeah, all right. I'm saying. Yeah, uh-huh. Naturally? I don't, again, I don't see how you can say that wrong. Um, aluminum. Ah, aluminum. Aluminum. Yeah. British people say aluminium. Really? In Ireland, they say that too. I don't know why. So much more water. They say glacier too instead of glacier. Wow. But that's a whole different thing. I don't, <laughs> that's, that's another country. Envelope. I say envelope. Mm, I, say yeah, envelope. I, I say envelope. Yeah, yeah, I say envelope. Okay, so I swipe right, huh? Yeah, swipe right. Okay. Don't, yeah. What is, what, what is it called when you throw toilet paper on a house? You TP it. You TP the house. That's what I call it. Am I supposed to answer this? No, I, it's oh. just like what you what you call that. This original okay. thing. All so, right. Um, what is the bug that when you touch it, it curls into a ball? A roly poly. Curly, yeah. Yeah, roly yeah. poly. Mm-hmm. What is bubbly carbonated drink drink called? Uh, soda. Soda. Yeah. Uh huh. Some people say pop. That's an old head. Yeah. Some you know <laughs> in Chicago they just say Coke. That might just be Everything? Midwest. Everything's a Coke. Oh okay. Mm-hmm. A, 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 a orange Coke. It's all Coke. It's Coke. Soda's oh. Coke. Okay, um, what do you call gym shoes? Sneakers? Sneakers, yeah, sneakers. What do you, what do you say to address a group of people? Y'all. Like, or, like a, how do I address, hey, y'all? Like, what up? Or, but, like, to address the group. Everybody? Say, to everybody, hey, y'all, or, you know. Okay. I might say, hey, everybody. But most likely, I say, y'all, are y'all, are y'all going to the movies later? All right, okay. Yeah. Last one. Um, what do you call the kind of spider... Or a spider-like creature that has an oval-shaped body and extremely long legs. A daddy long legs. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What else would there be? I don't know. I wonder what people. Call, what else do you call that? Is that it? You, and you swipe right. Again? Yeah, swipe okay. one. Last oh time. yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. One, one. What do you call your grandparents? My grandparents. Like grandma. grandma. Oh, oh. Well, I call my pop pop. He's pop pop, and my grandmother is called Mumu, and I don't know why. But pop pop, I guess, is some people say grandpa, grand. But my grandma is Mumu. Oh. Might as my granddad. Mm. So we, we that's where we part ways. Yeah. But my pop pop is my pop pop. Yeah. Uh, what do you call the this wheel? Is the last, this is the last one. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> oh. What? what do you call a wheel? A wheeled contrapation? I'm sorry. Contrapation. Contraption. Contraption. Oh, shit. A wheeled contraption. Let me read that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> contraption. Like, what? I was like, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know how to answer that one. What do you call a wheel? A wheeled contraption in which you carry groceries at the supermarket? A cart. Shopping cart. Shopping. I don't yeah, know. shopping cart. I mean, maybe some people say like a wagon or something. I don't know. We'll know when people. I would love to hear. Counter. I would love to hear. Uh, what people say about this. Yeah, I want to you know what your wheel contrapations are. Yeah, yeah. What are your wheel contrapations? <laughs> uh, thank you for not swiping fun. in other, other, other directions, yeah. man. I really appreciate that. Uh, um, disgusting. <laughs> don't be mad at me because you're a string bean and I'm thick AF. Wow. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's, that was the accent challenge. Shout out to the fall line. <laughs> I was going to um, say something. <laughs> Um, yeah, shout, shout, so shout out to the Fallout, shout out to Rick Stratton, and uh, I don't really have anything else to touch on. Uh, I was gonna... Oh, I do. I want to shout out my fellow postal worker. I had to. I had to. Oh, okay. Yeah, to. okay. My dude, uh, John Tate F. Lindsay. Okay, yeah, no. I got to. Hey, man, I like that name. Rest in peace. My brother's name is John Tate. Yeah, most definitely. But, uh, yeah, I had, I had to shout him out. He That's had, dope, man. Uniform on. Yeah, it, 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 lay, it laid nice, man. He, guy, he was man. crisp. Yeah. You know, yeah, so yeah, much, <laughs> mu- yeah, much, much respect to anybody else joining the postal gang. Gang, gang. Uh... <laughs> So that's that's for life. He also took the motto and the oath, uh, and if anything were to go wrong, he you're always duty bound for life to step in and deliver the mail. No, 
that's, if that's you're not employed, no. That's not true. Mm, that's not true. Okay. All right. Cool. Um, are you sure? Positive. All right. Well, you know, I mean, <laughs> you don't have to go back and forth. You might be right. I might be right. Who right. knows? You know. Uh, but what we're gonna do is, um, we're gonna jump into these good vibes. So let's do that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's time for another good vibe segment where we try to shine a little bit of light in this dark, dark, cold world. Fran, do you got something for me this week? Yes, I do. Uh, My good vibe story this week is about 12 middle school boys are being held for a talking woman out of taking her own life. Oh, wow. So these middle school students are being held as heroes after they helped to talk a woman out of committing suicide last week. The 12 young heroes, all of whom are members of the boys' volleyball team from Kepler Kepler Neighborhood School in Fresno, California, mm. and had been jogging through the streets for their training when they saw the woman climb over the edge of a bridge. Oh, wow. Didn't know they do, you know, cross-country type of training for volleyball. You got to have that endurance. Do you? Well, I don't know. I, I, jumping, jumping, shade, jumping, just... jumping takes a lot out of you, so maybe the running counteracts the... You know, you get more energy for the jumping, but you also just want okay. to be in peak condition in case yeah, it's a right. beach volleyball game pop off. You rip that, pop that shirt off, sweat out. You know, pop, 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 pop. You got six abs, eight abs. You want to be looking good. It's a very like, you know, they were little shorts, and you want to be cut up. You don't want to be schlubby playing volleyball. But I mean, you just you just running though. You're not gonna get abs just jogging around the block. I mean, you know, we're not gonna talk about workout regimens, but uh, yeah, you know, you get that, that lean, that cardio, get nice and lean, shredded. Okay, hey man, just, take that fat off. Don't just, don't don't attack people for getting. I'm not. Shape, you know, I'm, <laughs> throwing shade at volleyball. It's I'm an not. Olympics, it's an Olympic sport. All right. <laughs> took that a little personal, man. Dang. Well, I you know I was you know I tried, I tried out for volleyball in high school. I didn't make it. They said I wasn't tall enough, but you know it's whatever. You know I'm not bitter <laughs> you about it. Can jump high enough? Yeah, I don't. You know, I don't. I'm not really known for my hops. I'm a, I'm a grit. I'm a grit and grinder. You know, I'm, I'm not really the most athletic. Uh, but as far as resilience, nobody on the court has a bigger heart than me. <laughs> but they, they didn't. They didn't want to hear that speech when I was trying out for volleyball. They're yeah. like, Look, man, you're not six feet tall and you can't jump, so you can't play volleyball. Right. You have no place here. Yeah. I was like, well, but my heart, though. Well, you know, we're we're good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Um. So while they were training, they saw the woman climb over the uh, of the edge of the bridge. Yeah. Had she let go, she would have fallen 100 feet mm. into the train tracks below. Oh, it wasn't now, water? It wasn't water. That's what I was going to say. Oh, my God. It would have been different if, you know, I mean, still. It's still dangerous. You can still kill yourself. Yeah. But, I mean, she jumping meant, in she, the water. She, she, I mean, she meant that. Yeah. She didn't want a, a chance to yeah. live. Like, she was like, I'm going to jump to the ground. Yeah. I That's, mean, wow. you jumping into water, you still have a chance? Yeah. You know, you might chance. change your mind or something, you know. That's. I mean, what do you mean change your mind? I mean, you hit the water and you go... Oh, never mind. I don't. I don't want this. So I'm gonna try to swim. Oh, okay, got you. Hit the. You know, you hit the ground. That's it. That's it. Yeah. You got some some metal train tracks or whatever. Yeah, you're done. Yeah, you're done. She (laughs) meant that. She meant that. That's wild. Yeah. So luckily, the boys took action. The team members ran to their coach Elliot Murray, yelling for him to call nine one one. When he saw the woman hanging from the bridge, he told the boys to run back and do everything in their power to keep her from jumping. I immediately told the kids. Do every do everything you can. Chant, chant, say stop. Mm-hmm. Your life is worth it. Yeah. So it was like they was in a huddle, like hey, for sure. Yeah, motivating. Do this, and they're a team. Do. Yeah. So yep. they you know they they're a team. So they organize very well. Yep. Uh, so he told them to say stop. Your life is worth it, and 
They just kept chanting on. Sure enough, the boys spent the next 10 minutes with the 47-year-old woman yelling words of encouragement and urging her to climb up from the ledge. Yeah. Upon hearing those compassionate chants, the woman finally crossed, crossed back over to the safety just before police arrived um, to the scene. The woman was assigned to a 72-hour mental health evaluation, and through her current circumstances and conditions are unknown, Murray is positive that his team members were the reason why she felt compelled to stop back to step back from the ledge. Yeah. Now watch they go and win the championship. That off that mo- off that momentum. Yeah. I hope so. I That'd mean be that's crazy. The, I, I, anytime I hear a story about kids in high school not pulling out their phones and just filming this or something like this, I always praise it because that's kind of the world we're in now. I'm sure know? somebody did though. I'm sure, yeah. but I'm, oh, I'm positive. Yeah. But but but. <laughs> More people stepped in than yeah. I've seen so many videos. I remember when that rapper XXX Tentacion got shot. Mm-hmm. It was like videos of people being like, "Damn, y'all doing the selfie can? Yo, that's him in the car. Yeah, that's that's crazy. crazy. Like it's they just people just want a, a video that's gonna go viral and they'll film something rather than step in and help. You yeah. know, um, there's a there was a video this that it actually New York as a whole, all the real people in New York. You know, you know all the young kids were dumb at the time, but on a train a couple weeks ago. Some crazy dude just was like beating up a homeless woman on a train, mm-hmm. and everybody, world star, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. But then when the real, you know, like New York street dudes saw the video, they were like, "This is clown shit. How did nobody step in and help yeah. this?" And then through that kind of call to action of people being like, "Y'all should be embarrassed about that. This isn't what New York is about. Like right. somebody should have stepped in to help." And that kind of galvanized the people to turn that dude in. They found him and they turned him in. But at the time, did you just beat up homeless people. He just beat up this homeless woman, oh, but okay. people were that fi- guy, though. but th- yeah, people okay. were filming it though. Instead of nobody stepped in and said, "Hey, man, don't do that." Somebody should knock this block off. A hundred percent. But he just <laughs> got off the train and left, you know. But wow. people saw that and almost shamed people into being like, "Yeah, I mean, I guess we should be embarrassed that nobody stepped in and helped. Let's find him and bring him to justice." So I appreciate anybody stepping in when they see something yeah. wrong happening, as opposed to trying to get a moment. You know, so everybody, everybody, want, everybody wants to, everybody wants to catch a viral moment on film, put it up. Get a million views and then go, hey, man, listen to my song. Or, hey, I do sketches now. Nobody wants to watch your sketches. And if they do want to watch your sketches, just make sketches and be funny. Don't try to catch a a terrible moment on film, put it on your uh, Instagram or your Facebook, and then try to propel that into a career. That's like a real path to people becoming famous these days. That is a genuine people are trying to do that. Film a knockout, film a murder, film a shooting, put it on your thing, and then get some traction. And then, hey, man, look. Uh, I'm doing a sketch. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just crazy and and it's it's sad. So I appreciate anybody stepping in and, and doing the right thing, not for looks or for views or for notoriety, just because yeah. it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. No phone in hand. Just tell that person her life is worth it and don't jump off a fucking bridge. So I really appreciate that volleyball team. That's yeah. dope, you know. And I hope you guys go on to win the volleyball championship. I don't know what that's called, but you know, good luck to you guys. Why you respect them though? Well, I just don't, I'm not familiar mm. with the, the, the level. I didn't make the team. So I don't know the hierarchy and where you go. Nationals. I okay. hope you make it to nationals or whatever. I don't know. Uh, so shout out to you guys, the whole team. My Good Vibes this week is actually our first return Good Vibes segment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, when I get into it, I'll really give you the details of how we know this guy. But um, there's a principal in Newark, New Jersey, who... Uh, has opened up the doors of the school on Friday nights from um, up until 11 p.m. to encourage kids to stay out of the streets if they want if they don't want it because some kids don't want to be out there mm-hmm. they just don't have a they don't have a choice it's like 
There's nowhere to go. There's no after school programs. There's nothing. So I have to go home. After school program. I guess not. Damn, 11 o'clock. Yes. Even still, just something constructive, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. I mean, his his program is open from after school on Friday until 11 p.m. So you can He's go there. Yeah. Uh-huh. Whoa, there's there's staff there thing. and everything. So you can go there, do your homework, you know, practice, have fun. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a studio in there to make music. Mm. Uh, um, there's all kind of stuff. Just something to do in that block of time. And you can go straight home and go to sleep. You have to spend you don't have to spend any time outside if you don't want to. Because I was one of those kids. Not by choice, admittedly. Like, I had cousins that were like, let's go out. Let's go steal a bike. Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. And my grandmother would not let me go outside. My mother would not let me go to the park in my neighborhood. Because we lived in, we didn't live in the best neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So she chose to just keep me indoors. You know, Good. like, that was just. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy with the way that turned out. Yeah. But some kids don't have, some kids want to do that, but don't have the choice to do that. Mm-hmm. The house is crazy. So it's like, I mean, it's crazy outside. But it's crazy in this house. So I just, I would rather be outside with my friends. Mm-hmm. It's better outside, even though it's dangerous. It's dangerous in the house, too. There's no food in here. The lights aren't on. Whatever. You know, I have too much responsibility. I'm only 13. So anyway, my point is, so this principal who's doing this is named Akbar Cook. He was the principal who started the laundry program yeah, at the same that. high school mm. and was on Ellen. And Ellen donated more washing machines and dish detergent for a year and all this kind of stuff. So this this dude is on the cutting edge of trying to bridge the gap of class of a separation of class to help these kids get a better education. Mm-hmm. Because when you don't have to worry about all these kind of stressful ass things, that's when you can focus on school. No kid is worried about trigonometry homework when they are hungry. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't have food at home. Their mom is on is a is a heroin addict and is hasn't been home in three days. I'm not really trying to ace this spelling bee, you know? So He's trying to alleviate some of those issues so that school becomes more of a priority. As a matter of fact, since he did that laundry program, he saw a 10% increase in attendance Mm. after that program. And now he's doing this program to help kids. There's an interview on the Internet. There's a girl that graduated from the high school in 2008. She goes to the program still. I don't know in what capacity if she goes there to chaperone or if she just Mm. goes to, I don't, you know, I mean, she's probably like 28 now, so I would assume she's like a chaperone or something like that. But she said, I, she said, I know for a fact that if this program existed when I was in school, um, a lot of the kids that were killed in my graduating class would be here today. Mm. She said, if I had a high, if, I, if we had a high school graduation, I mean a high school reunion, there would be a lot of kids that weren't there. Damn. That's how many kids got killed from, because Newark, New Jersey is, is kind of nuts, you know? So this program is, I think it's so amazing to see somebody and, I, and, and, and again, I don't mean to keep touching on it, but I will keep touching on it. This Nipsey Hussle thing has really inspired me to try to give people their flowers when they're still here to smell them. You know what I mean? And this dude, Akbar Cook, is doing amazing things. This is twice that we've heard stories about this. And on top of all this stuff that he's doing, three days a week, he gives the kids food. Mm. Orders pizzas, whatever. You, come, you can come to, to school and eat. Three days a week. So this dude is doing amazing things. And it's his belief. He says uh, he believes that um, focusing focusing on the students' basic needs will help to build their confidence and um, improve academic performance. You know, because when you got a bunch of kids lashing out because they don't smell good or because they're hungry or their home situation, they're embarrassed that their mother's on drugs and so they lash out on other people so that they don't get attacked first, you know, with those, you know, your mom's a, a, a drug addict jokes or whatever. So they bully people back or don't come to school or whatever. If we try to alleviate those things where we can, there are some kids that we can help. There are some kids that, oh, it's just your clothes are dirty. Well, we'll get you clean clothes and you come to school. Yeah. Oh, you're hungry 
and that's why you're you know selling bags of, of weed on the street to make some money to feed you and your sister come to school three days a week we'll get you some food mm-hmm. and then maybe you can come to school and then maybe you can graduate from high school and maybe get motivated to try to do something to better your life and your sister's life or your brother's life or whatever your responsibilities are school is the path that you can take to do that but a lot of these kids are like man I don't even know if I'm gonna be alive at 18 so I don't give a shit about going to school I need money now that's scary. And it is scary. And it, but it's real. It's a reality. And Akbar Cook is saying, look, man, you know, the Miss Pats and the ACTs and all that type of shit, those school tests that you have to, because that's kind of what school is now. And that's why school funding and all that shit is bullshit. It's like, here's the universal school test that you have to take. Mm-hmm. We need the students in this school to do good on these scores. And if they don't do good on these scores, we're going we're gonna to take away funding from your school because you're not doing your job good enough. Mm-hmm. School should not be uniform because kids learn different. Yeah, you I'm know? hands on. Exactly. You show me how to do something a couple of times, yep. I'll pick it up. But just writing it on the board and being like, "Do you does, understand this now?" It's it's me. not it's not gonna do it for me. Nope. And there are a lot of kids like that, especially now, where you know it's phone. Everybody has a phone. There's yeah. screens. Everything. The, the 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 approach to education has to be different, or we're gonna a lot of kids are gonna fall behind. Yep. And with this uh <laughs> this uh, what is Betsy DeVos, this uh, education secretary, she is not concerned about the kids who don't have it easy. It's not her concern. Because it's easier. It makes the job easier. For sure. For sure. When you when you can cut out the kids who do bad on tests, when you can cut out the schools that don't test well and only focus on the schools that have money and can, you know, uh, do the things that you want them to do, those numbers are going to look great. Because you, like, you know, cut the fat. Yeah, you cut the fat in a sense. It's like, (laughs) oh, well, if you you get rid of all the bad test takers, your numbers are going to look great when you... As, as the secretary it's like oh man uh, education uh, these test scores went up 50% since mm-hmm. Betsy DeVos became the fucking education secretary but it's like oh but you cut out you know 40,000 students you cut out however many thousand programs that are designed to help these kids and you don't so you're, they're, they're not even being counted anymore mm-hmm. so you know it's just um, I think Akbar Cook is doing a really amazing thing trying to bridge that gap of look I know home life is hard but let me try to help that, and then you can come to school and get an education. Mm-hmm. So big shouts out to Akbar Cook. I think that's amazing what he's doing, and uh, I, I hope that he gets on Ellen again, and Ellen gives him more money, and he puts that money back in his community. He calls these kids his babies. Mm-hmm. You know, like he really he he loves what he does. I couldn't be a teacher. I, I couldn't either, and that's I, I have nothing but respect for the for the position. But it is a very undervalued position in this world, and it it should have the highest of standards because you are you are in charge of what the country is going to look like yeah. in 20 years. Yeah. You are you are you are motivating or not motivating the kids who will be the adults soon. Yeah. That's a very important job and I think they should be compensated for it. They shouldn't have to be coming out of pocket for things that ne- that they need to make a kid learn better. Mm. And that's what that's what we are, that's where we are in this country. Yeah. So I just, it's, yeah. I want these teachers to know, you know, I'm kind of upset with some teachers because y'all don't check homework every day. You know, I still think about the days where, you know, I didn't do my homework and I got punished for it. Yeah. And the days I did do my homework, got in like, check nah, it. we're not doing that today. You know, I, I never forgive y'all teachers for that. Yeah, that, 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 that's cold. Either do it all the time yeah. or don't do it at all. But, you know, in Baltimore, that they changed. I don't know if they changed it back, <laughs> but they stopped counting homework as part of the, like, percentage for your grade. Why? Because anybody doing it? Because I ain't never used to do it. I guess. Homework. I don't know. You, you They find ways to cut corners and, and, and make their job because it's like... That's the thing I was saying about the about the school program. It's like, okay, well, if none of these kids are doing homework, if we make homework not count anymore, then their test scores will go up. Mm. So then we don't look bad and our school doesn't get defunded. Mm. It's those it's all a business. 
Oh, school system is horrible. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's crazy. Uh, yeah. Um. So anyway, we we kind of we we rambled on about that. That's this fine. this is good vibes. Uh, uh, shout out to Akbar Cook. Shout out to that volleyball team. Uh, nothing but positivity from this segment. Now, I didn't mean to go on a ramble about uh, teachers. I hope nobody took that the wrong way. And if you did, you can talk to me about it. You can you can correct me. Anything I said, I'm fine with that. That's no problem at all. You know how to reach me. All the socials are you know affirmative murder everything. So if you have anything to say about what I said, that's fine. I can. Let's have a dialogue. Um, what I want to do is I want to take a quick break. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to leave you to um, shout out to Anderson Pac. Don't forget the dot. OK, Anderson Pac is an incredible musician. He just dropped a new album just in time for summer. And uh, it is top down, wind blowing in your hair music. And what I want to do is I want to take us off to make it better featuring Smokey Robinson. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some fucked up shit. So stick around. How do you mean when your world's apart? so much fun so now how could we both forget telling each other we're the one we would make love at the drop of a hat remember that yeah i remember you and me close as any two can be all right and we are back for anybody who didn't skip that song i hope you grabbed your lover by the hand maybe swayed you know uh, you know, walked up behind your lover in the kitchen, making some food, grabbing by the waist, and just vibed out to that beautiful song by Anderson Pac. Uh, we are back. It's time for me to tell some fucked up tales. And uh, Fran, this week, uh, my affirmative murder is a little different. It is not exactly a murder per se. Um, there is a death, but I will get to that. Um, I just, the story was pretty nuts to me. And so I wanted to tell it because I just thought it was like, it was almost like a movie. Uh, so my affirmative murder this week is uh, the story of the insane life of this guy named Michael Marin. And I'll get to who he is and all that kind of stuff. And then at the end, I'll it's up to people if they want to watch it. I'll tell them about a video they can go watch. Um, so my, my source is actually, it's an article from the Arizona Republic um, written by Michael Kiefer. Not Mackay Pfeiffer. Um, so I will begin right now. Okay, yeah, I had to find my place. All right, so yeah, my affirmative murder this week is this guy named Michael Marin, and here we go. <clears throat> so Michael Marin was born December 1958 and was raised in Oak Harbor, Washington, a Navy town on Whidbey Island north of Seattle. As a faithful member of the Mormon church, well, that's, a, that's your business. Uh, he attended uh, Brigham Young University and served a, a mission. The mission took him to Japan, where he learned to speak Japanese. After college, he attended Yale Law School, and after being admitted to the New York State Bar in 1987, instead of going into private practice or working in the government, he went to work in the legal department of banks which sent him back to Japan. So I guess he was loving it over there. Mm -hmm. I've made um, allusions to wanting to go to Tokyo someday because I believe they're like 
about 20 years ahead of us in every facet. Like, mm-hmm. so maybe this was like the 80s in the, when he was doing this. Mm-hmm. So they were already in 2001. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure it was crazy over there. I do want to go there one day. Yeah, Tokyo is lit. Um, they have like vending machines where you can get all kind of crazy things that aren't even food or anything. It's just weird. Like you can get like a letter from an old man. Uh, I don't know. They're, yeah. they're weird over them. It's crazy. Yeah. We, we bombed them and they survived. And he's still ahead of us. Exactly, right? <laughs> but they just think different because, you know, they got nuked and they bounced back. They built their they built their civilization on the rubbles of nuclear bombs. Wow. So the, their TV shows are nuts, but they're fucking amazing. Yeah. And they're, they put crazy stuff in the vending machines. And I was like, they're a little wacky. I love it. Mm. And they make great TV. Uh, <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like uh, Ninja Warrior. Ninja Warrior. Yeah. I don't know if you ever saw that show where uh, the the wall comes and there's like a little cutout in the wall and it'll be yeah, like a starfish. Oh. Yeah, you got to try to make your body as close oh, yeah, to a that, starfish yeah, as you can. Yeah. It's like who thought of that? That's super entertaining. Yeah, man, you had to really you had to be the descendant of people who were poisoned by nuclear <laughs> chemicals to have a brain like that, you know. And that was a tragedy. But look what it look what it look what how they bounced back. Shout out yeah. to them, you know, resilience, man. But yeah, that show's great. I love that show. Ninja Warrior's crazy. And that show, Box Make a Shape Show. I don't know the name of it, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, so he went back to Japan, loving it out there. It was lit. Uh, from there, he put his mathematical he put his mathematical mind to work as an investment banker mm-hmm. and made a fortune trading in complex investments for Merrill Lynch, boo, uh, the Solomon Brothers, boo, and the Lehman Brothers, all people who don't do anything but... Uh, make phone calls and say, I'll give you this and I'll give you that. Oh, look, I made $80 million. It is... Like a Ponzi scheme? Not a Ponzi scheme, just stocks. Mm. Just stuff that... And I, that Like, if you ever watch, like, The Wolf of Wall Street or or Wall Street with uh, Kirk Douglas, mm-hmm. um, it's just... To make that kind of money not really doing anything, is it blows my mind. Like, just the numbers of it all and being like, I'll give you these Google shares. It's just a phone call. You didn't build anything. You didn't create anything. Yeah. You're just saying... Here, take these numbers and go put them here. And now you made $100 million in a day. It's like, it's insane to me. But, you know, I might, that might just be the hater in me. That's fine. Um, he, Michael, Michael Marin would definitely call me a hater. He was arrogant. Uh, <laughs> he traveled extensively in Asia. Uh, a book he wrote about investment banking in Asia purports hair-raising adventures in Papua New Guinea, firefights in Cambodia, and trumped up drug busts and torture by Malaysian police officers. So this dude was rich as fuck, living that uh, that fast-paced investment banker life, mm-hmm. making $4 million in a day, mm. hopping on a plane, going to Malaysia, getting getting that boudet, snorting yay in a fucking uh, hut in the middle of the jungle, coke on his nose, a gun in his hand, and like, yeah, man, I'm going to live forever. Now, uh, this guy's kind of the opposite of affirmative murder because it's just like a white dude with a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. But... I thought the story was crazy. It, it reminded me of Wolf of Wall Street, this guy's life. So mm-hmm. I just thought it was fascinating. And again, the end of it is kind of crazy. So this guy, you know, he's writing books about how crazy his life is, doing drugs in the woods of Malaysia and and and, 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 and sex prostitutes and, and, and all this kind of craziness, making millions of dollars. This is just this guy's life. Uh, his kids were raised in Asia and in Chicago. His wife, Tammy, left in 1992 after 12 years of marriage, and she moved to the Phoenix area. Then in the late 1990s, after a decade of working in the Asian market for Wall Street banks, uh, Marin moved to the United States, eventually landing in Gilbert, Arizona. Uh, He was very charming, said Christine Marie Caddis, who dated Marin in 1999 and 2000 and entered into a business agreement with him. I don't know what that is. 
what they did. I don't know if they started a business or whatever, but this dude was just, he had money to blow. Uh, another girlfriend of his also said that uh, there's levels of arrogance when you're that smart, which I can attest to. I know a lot of people, I don't, there's nothing worse than a, pers- a person who's smart and knows they're smart because they they have a, a, a tendency to talk down to people. Yeah. Even if they don't mean it, it's like, oh man, it didn't. Everything is like, you know, uh, this happened in 1875. Well, it happened in 1874, but, you know, I mean, you were close. close you were close. You were close. Good try. It's like little shit like that. Like, well, fuck you, man. You <laughs> uh, <laughs> shit all the time. Like, I can't be. Yeah, I, I hate people like that. Yeah. It's, it's not a personality that anybody wants to be around. Right. Well, I mean, it wasn't salt. It was it was, it was was close to salt, but, yeah. you know, the it was the prop, the chemical property was like one atom off, so it wasn't technically salt. Yeah. I don't, a, I don't care, man. Annoying. Leave me alone. Yeah. Steph has no somebody like that, and I... I can't fucking So let me tell my story. You weren't even there. You want to interject about parts that doesn't doesn't even matter about the story. Well, I wouldn't say that shirt's purple, but it's more of like a, you know, a a lavender. I don't care. That's that's not a part of the story. It's just a small... I know people like that, and it gets me fired up. So, uh, yeah, so he was kind of an arrogant guy, lived a big life, big, exciting life. Um, He also collected art. Uh, His mansion had paintings by Leroy Neiman. I don't know what that is. Uh, and he bragged that his Picasso etchings were worth millions. Mm. So he was, you know, investing in art and living, traveling the world, living this, I am a white man, an American white man. Look at my awesome life. Must be nice. I'm sure. Uh, um, he had a walk-on role in Arizona's opera production of Ada. So um, he also could play mute. He, he could play instruments and he sang very well. So he just was just an all around, just living a great life. He had a piano in his house. Hey guys, you want to hear a little ditty? Let me just—I don't know. I do do a little something, <laughs> something. Play a beautiful song. I don't know. Just uh, I was just just testing it out. I don't even know what I was doing. Uh, so Marin Marin could be heroic at times. After his death, a woman wrote on his Facebook wall recounting a visit to Yosemite's El Capitan. Now I'm gonna do another. I'm gonna go off to a little sidebar again here. This is what we do. There's a movie called Solo. It's a documentary about this dude who free solos. I don't know if I told you about this, mm. but he climbs mountains without any shit on. Mm. It's insane. It's even more insane if you have a giant TV that has good, uh, you know, what is it? Resolution. Resolution. Thank mm. you. Has good resolution. You watch that. No lights in the dark and you see the, vis- you know, climbing a mountain with no shit on. It's called Solo. I can't remember the dude's name, but he climbs El Capitan without any shit on this dude climbed it with with shit on which is already that's crazy going out climbing mountains super caucasian i'm not climbing a mountain <laughs> i'll go to a rock climbing place yeah like in a building with uh-huh. like a wall with little grips on it yeah i'll do that fun sunday trying something different do that yeah. like once every five years oh adventure mm-hmm. that was fun you fall oh and the, the ropes <laughs> you fall slow i'm not going out and climbing on a real mountain putting no. chalk on my hands and grabbing rocks and climbing a hundred feet to the mm-hmm. no i'm not doing that so he did that and also a great documentary if you haven't seen it won an, it won an oscar it's called solo this dude climbs all these crazy mountains without any shit on how'd he get down that i don't know i wouldn't <laughs> i hope he doesn't climb down you already did you did it call a helicopter Probably a helicopter yeah i hope so maybe they climb up with no shit on and they climb down with the shit on mm, okay i don't know but uh, so Solo shout out to Solo so this dude uh, Michael Marin climbed the same mountain that this guy in this documentary climbed mm-hmm. El Capitan it's in Yosemite uh, it, uh, he also recounted uh, wonderful destinations he said uh, I can still hear oh no uh, yeah he said I can still hear your, your calming voice talking me down the final rappel when I was injured and I will never forget 
how you carried me up the steep path back to the road that day. Mm. He was talking. This was a letter. This was a letter that a woman wrote about him after he died. Oh, you know, it's real sad. But like when people like talk to somebody on their Facebook page after they die. Yeah, she did that. So he like they were climbing a mountain and she did something wrong and he jumped into action. and He saved her. Mm. That was kind of his thing. And then okay. he'd be like, oh, whatever. Like he, like me, he very, me and him share this trait. Like that was a very big thing that he did, but he'd be like, no, whatever. Like mm-hmm. you just need some help. No big deal. Yeah. But like inside he's like, I just fucking nailed that. Mm-hmm. You know, but you got to play it cool. Always play it cool. You know, to a smaller scale, you know, I hit a game winner. We playing basketball before my injury. If I had a game winner, you know, I'm, I'm walk away. You know, yeah. whatever. It's not slight work. I knew that was going in. You know, I'm not going to, you know, run around the gym and go crazy. You know, <laughs> I'm going to play it off like, you know, it's nothing. Uh, I, 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 that's, this is what I do. Uh, I'm clutch. <laughs> that's how you got to pl- always play it cool. You look so much cooler when you play it cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, um, he climbed the highest peaks on six continents. Uh, McKinley in Alaska, uh, Aconcagua in South America, Elberis in Europe, Kilimanjaro in Africa, Cus. Cuscusco uh, in Australia and Everest in Asia. When he so and where what, he did what he climbed Mount Everest. He climbed Jesus. Kilimanjaro. Those are the two that I know. Other ones, I don't, McKinley. I don't know. It's Everest in, is in the Alaska. big one, right? Everest is the big one. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. Kilimanjaro is the big one too. I think Kilimanjaro is a volcano. <laughs> so this dude was insane. So you can fall in it. Well, if you get to the top, yeah. I mean, I guess you could fall in it. It's probably a giant hole. I don't think you, you you could fall in it. You could go in it if you want to. You could walk down and die. I don't think you could like trip off the edge and whoa. Like you really have to be really you have to be pretty intentional to fall. I in mean, it. you're looking at it, it like you could just go to the top and just. Yeah, well, I don't. I hope it's not that easy. I, you know what? You know what? I'll never find out. Yeah, I won't be up there. No. I like you know maybe have it as a background on my phone. Yeah. That's about as close as I want to get. Yep. Or even go to Asia and go. Oh look, Kilimanjaro. And I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, he climbed all these amazing mountains, uh, you know, and he even, look, this is kind of fly. So he had a jacket, right? Mm. With all the mountains on patches on the thing. Mm. And then he had a little check patch next to each one. Ah. And then whenever he climbed to the top, put a little check patch on. So he had this fly jacket with like six mountains, check marks next to him. That's nice. That's kind of fly. I wear a jacket all the time. Hell yeah. They're like, what's that mean? Oh, you know, just something, you know, humble. You know, just. It's 90 degrees. I mean, yeah, you know, I know, but you know, I felt a little chill. And what's that? What are those names? Well, it's just mountains. Yeah. I climbed them all. Yeah. You know, whatever though, it's no big deal. It's not. What? What do you do? I'm a teacher. No. Oh, cool. That's cool. I climb mountains. I can't be that humble. No, you know, uh, not in that. Not I mean, I'm playing basketball. Yeah, sure. But if I climb a mountain, everybody's gonna not climb. Oh, a mountain. most definitely. I'm like, oh, Throwback Thursday. It like happened like 16 Thursdays ago. Throwback Thursday. I climbed the mountain. Yeah. That's crazy. Keep putting the photos. I up. wear a hat of Kilimanjaro shape shaped hat. <laughs> a little. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like you got a, a Hershey's kiss on top of your yeah. head. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so he was actually in a documentary about Burning Man, which he went to every year. Burning Man is insane. So he went to Burning Man, did all kind of drugs. He went to Burning Man dressed as a pilot. And would what look, is this? I don't know. I don't Burning know. Man is this festival in the Nevada desert. You do drugs. You you could do drugs. You can just chill out. It's just um, I don't even know if there's music. It's, it's a, not it's not oh, like Coachella. Okay. It's not like Coachella. Oh, it's like a festival of drug addicts hippies and you know yeah i mean not drug addicts but you know like you might do some dmt you know go see the universe okay. you know uh do some acid you know uh dress up like a ghoul so from... everybody says how out their mind basically <sighs> sure like for the for the sake of giving you a picture of it yeah everybody's sandy uh dressed up in all kind of you know glitter outfits hmm. and maybe dressed up like you know uh yosemite sam 
uh, you know, all kind of just trippy things. And you just are in the desert for, you know, in a camper, you know, and maybe somebody gives you some ayahuasca and you. So you can't even be around it if you're not even on something. It might be awkward. Yeah, probably. You're like, oh, man, it's so hot. And somebody's like, oh, God, I am Jesus. And they like spin around yeah, around you like, like, oh, this is weird. So, yeah, yeah you I wouldn't probably want to do it sober. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I don't know what this guy does. Mm. I would say, I would hope he is doing it sober because he would go to Burning Man dressed as a pilot. And even though he wasn't a pilot and then he had a plane and he'd be like, you want to fly in my plane? I mean, he's rich. You can do it. I would do it, too. Yeah. And if I had a plane and I like to fly, like, hey, man, you want to? He had like a you know, little two seater plane. And then for that week of Burning Man, he'd be like, hey, you guys want to fly on my plane? And then go up on the air and fly around a bit and come down. And that's what he liked to do on Burning Man. Wow. I'm sure he had dabbled in some acid or something, too, a couple of days. But, you know, he was just living his life. <laughs> his Jeez. awesome, his his awesome, awesome life. <laughs> his incredible life. Uh, so yeah, so he did that, and then uh, um, so people said in the documentary, you can see that his eyes are alive, uh, flashing underneath the bl- the brim of his captain's hat, his smiles gleaming in the video, and his voice flows musically. Uh, he even said in the documentary, "I have dared to climb the highest mountains in the world, uh, appalling pyramids of unforgiving snow, ice, and living rock, and set my feet on wa- on wind swept heights." known only to the courageous and the crazy, where views are too beautiful for mere words to express. Dazzle the senses and touch in the soul, of uh, soul a paradise of peace and joy, where the horrors of the half-lived life are unfamiliar. So he's basically shitting on people who don't do anything with their life. Like, I haven't seen it all, except Jesus. I can't do and, that. And it's incredible. And if you don't do this, you're a fucking weak person. It's basically, he's going on this rant. That's fine. Uh, so, so uh, what else did he say? So, uh, I have dared to profane with my presence high, high sacred places where in the veil between here and now and the mystery of the great beyond is but a frozen whisper in a hollowing in a howling wind, feeling excruciating fatigue, gasping for breath in the in the rarefied air, mindful of lost friends and worried loved ones. I have experienced things you may never know. This is like a cult speech. This is like a cult. I mean, is speech. this written down? He, is, is this is from. This is in this documentary. Uh-huh. He, they like interview him in this. In this, uh, so he might have. He might have been on on some acid right now to go on this rant. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I have, I have experienced things you may never know, even in your wildest dreams. And while pushing myself beyond the boundaries of human endurance, facing mortal danger with every slip, with every step, I have opened my eyes, and behind the face of God, I am awake. That dude was on all the drugs. I take back everything I said. That was the most drugged out thing I've ever yeah. heard. That was like, he's on five tabs of acid. Um, so this is where the story takes a bit of a turn. Uh, but there were other facets of Michael Marin's personality, and they led to his unraveling. And for all of his adventure and showmanship, Marin was an unreliable narrator of his own life. He claimed his Picasso etchings were worth millions of dollars. But a girlfriend who was with Marin when he bought them in Las Vegas said he was sincerely moved by the beauty. He said he was sincerely moved by their beauty, but had paid only a few hundred thousand dollars for them, which is still a lot of money. I don't know this girl. You know, sometimes exes come out of the woodworks like he said millions, but it was only two fifty. Shut your hating ass up. Yeah, you know, <laughs> he said they were a couple million dollars, but he only paid three hundred thousand dollars for each one of them. Shut up. Do you have $300,000? Right. <laughs> I thought she was going to say, like, they aren't Picassos. Like, no, they're Picassos. He just didn't pay a million for them. He paid 600000 for them. Well, they probably, if they're, that's an investment. They probably worth a million now. I bet. 
Picasso, man. Uh, I was going to go on another rant about a movie, but never mind. Uh, <laughs> he had photographs of himself in exotic destinations around the world and stories of his trips that he had long told to his friends. So his travels were mostly real. Oh, I thought you was about to say she came out and said it was Photoshop. No, no. <laughs> I was with him at Sears when they put the backdrop down. That's not it. Those are Sears photos. Uh, but his self-published book, Fluctuations, which told of his adventures and close calls in the Southeast in Southeast Asia, also carried this note on the copyright page. This book is a complicated hybrid of fact and fiction. Virtually all of the stories and incidents are true, but in many instances, names, places, and other details have been changed or fictionalized to protect the privacy, anonymity, and safety of the individuals to whom they refer. Which that seems pretty standard to me as I well. It's like, you know, you know, I, I might have changed the person's name or, you know, the day that it happened because I don't want anybody to sue me. It sounds like people are hating on Mark on yeah. Michael Merriman. I was about to say, I don't yeah, I mean, I think I think a lot of books have that. Like you know, you you take maybe it was three people that di- that had three different personalities, and you just make it one friend in a yeah. book. You know, but it's whatever. I'm, I don't want to. There's nothing here to not defend until I get to you know. He just is a a white dude, a white American dude living an awesome white American dude life. You know, yeah. investment banker doing drugs, flying planes. Very much like the Wolf of Wall Street, very much like, uh, yeah. you know, th- th- that kind of thing. American Psycho, that kind of, you know, that kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no there's no reason to defend people coming out and being like, or not defend somebody saying, I mean, it wasn't a million dollars. It was $500,000. All right, well, whatever. That's still a lot of money. Yeah. You know, my house isn't worth $500,000. <laughs> he has a, a, a sketch. <laughs> yeah. He has a, not even a big painting. Sketches. <laughs> Come on, man. Um, so uh, in the book. Oh, no, sorry. I read that already. Oh, yeah, no, no. Uh, yeah, In the book, he issues warnings to his former colleagues, boasting that he has firearms training and that if anyone tries to sue, he could unleash information that would reveal their mistresses mm. or open them to criminal investigation. Damn. So, I mean... But they say he's he has a flair for the dramatic, so that might even have been a way to, like, people... When you read that, you just assume, oh, he must know some powerful people, but that might have just been bullshit, is what I'll say. He had a flair for the dramatic. I'll Did get to that. I mean, I never heard of the book, so I would say no. I don't <laughs> think it was a bestseller, you know? So I would say no, but I'm sure there were some crazy stories in there. Um, one former female friend said he could be a bully. He could not let go of his uh, defeats, however trivial they are, and instead of and, and instead lashed out self-destructively. In 2000, Marin got a traffic citation in Gilbert, Arizona for running his motorcycle into a car. He went over the handlebars and ended up in the hospital and was issued a citation for failure to control a vehicle to avoid a collision. I didn't even know that. You can get a citation for making a mistake? That's crazy. But uh, I think you can if if you, do, if you don't try to yeah, avoid a, an yeah. accident. I mean, that was an accident. He's <laughs> like, hey, man, here's you a gotta, citation. Yeah, you could have You fucked up. Yeah, yeah. you, you, you could have done better. So. Uh, one might think that the rich man and the world adventurer would pay the fine and go, go on with life. But Marin appealed, acting as as his own attorney, and lost the case. <laughs> he wrote a self-aggrandizing <laughs> and, con- and condescending brief to the court, detailing the charity work he had done right before the accident and his driving expertise for having attended a world-famous driving school. Man, if you pay that damn yeah, yeah. to go about your damn business. I, another thing that I read said he had a, he hired a legal team to go into traffic court and be like, Your Honor. This is uh this is a miscarriage of justice at the highest court. It's like, sir, this is a two hundred dollar <laughs> ticket and one point on your license. 
Why is uh, <laughs> why is Robert Kardashian in here? What is it? Why? What is this? You got on a suit for traffic court? Come on, man. So uh, yeah, and he you know, wrote this letter about oh I'm sorry I couldn't focus I just got done feeding all these homeless children oh sorry I couldn't avoid my bike <laughs> what do you guys do for charity he's very very angry uh, he got a new trial but only because the audio recording of his first trial was garbled mm. he lost the second trial as well but he didn't let it go in 2002 he self published another book this time about moron drivers. So he got so mad that he wrote and published, self-published a book about, you know, man, it sucks being so good of a driver and then it's other bad drivers in the world that make you look bad. Like a spite book about this accident that he won't let go and keep going to trial for. Can you imagine being a judge like the third time of a trial? He's a winner, man. He wants to win. Even when he's losing and about <laughs> stupid stuff. It's like, sir, look, Mr. Marin, this is their fourth time appealing this. You've spent $10,000 in legal fees for a $250 right. ticket. Just settle and go away. No, I never give up. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, uh, and one might think a man who doted on his own family would own up to fathering a child. But no. Marin lived with a woman for three months in 2003. In 2004, she filed a paternity suit seeking support for her newborn, newborn daughter. Marin spent two years fighting her until a Maricopa County Superior Court judge ruled that he was indeed the child's father and needed to pay child support. So he he is out here trying to take nothing he conceives as an L. Anything that's perceived as an L to him is like, nah, I mean, did you live with me for three months? Yes. Did we have sex frequently? Yes. Did you have a child nine months after we, you moved out of my house? Yes. But that is not my child. <laughs> and I will fight you tooth and nail to prove that that is not my child. And then a judge had to go, look, man, we swabbed your mouth. It, it's your child. Like, what are you talking? It, it looks like you. No, no, no. Uh, I will appeal this, judge. I know what you said, but I will be, I do not lose. And it's like, well, he's starting to rack up some L's now as far as yeah. court, as far as court goes. And he like a damn fool. Very much. You know, we have, we have DNA evidence. Yes. Yeah, it's 99.9% percent <laughs> uh, positive that you are this child. No. Yeah. Well, numbers lie. And they don't lie. And you're an investment banker and you should know that. Uh, so finally he, finally he softened. He accepted the child as his own. Oh, so noble of you. Uh, he introduced her to his four children by his ex-wife, Tammy. He called every Saturday night at 7 p.m. Did Tra you have a picture of her? Who, the child? No, of uh, the wife. No. Oh, okay. Uh, tragically, the child's mother died of natural causes just six days before Marin's death. Natural causes? I don't know. I mean, they don't. They aren't that old, so I don't even know what that is. Maybe she had cancer or something. I don't really know. Uh, how Marin ended up with a multi-million-dollar mansion in the Biltmore Estates in Arizona is a is as fuzzy as everything else in his life story. He bought the house in September 2008 after a friend and business partner lost it to foreclosure. So you know, one man's loss is another man's gain. Uh, and he paid for it through a complex series of transactions. It came with a monthly mortgage payment. Make a take a guess at how much his monthly mortgage payment was. For what? For his home. For his house. For his house. He has a mansion, all right. He has a mansion. Monthly mortgage, um, five hundred thousand. Oh no! What? No, Jesus when was Christ! When was this? Two thousand eight. At any point, that's a mortgage. I mean, like monthly payment. His monthly payment on his mortgage. On a mansion? Yeah. Two hundred thousand dollars. No, man. Uh, you're bad at this. 
How much do you think a mansion costs? <laughs> you paying two hundred thousand on a thirty year lease? You paying two hundred thousand dollars a month? I think a mansion like five hundred fifty million dollars on a mansion. Oh no! Oh no! God no! His, well, this you kind of ruined that it. kind of money. Nobody has that kind of money for. I'm talking about you. I, I said Mark. I said Michael Mayer, not Oprah. Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ! Five hundred thousand dollars a month for a mortgage payment? You kind of made the number underwhelming. Now it would have been if you would have been realistic. It would have sound. To people who are realistic, he was paying $17,250 a month in mortgage. Oh. Is that nothing to you? Yeah. My mortgage is like $1,400. I thought I thought he owned like a $120, you know, million dollar mansion or something. No, it was probably like not 10. Okay. I mean, I don't I don't have it, so it doesn't matter to me. What do you think a mansion costs? Mm-hmm. I don't have one, so I don't know. I mean, that's that's <laughs> insane. <laughs> uh <laughs> uh he had an he had an eminent two point three million dollar balloon payment, so like I think that I don't really know the deeds what that is, but what I think is it? what did it say? Say it again. He had a seventeen thousand dollar a month mortgage and an eminent two point three million dollar balloon payment. So I guess at some point he had to pay that he had out, to pay right? It out, yeah. Okay. Because mm-hmm. uh, it could be like uh, if it's a thirty year mortgage, the balloon could be like ten years or something like that. Oh. So by that tenth year balloon, you got to pay it. All right, buddy. Oh shit! Okay, well, well, that's that's a lot of money too. Like, well, if it's not two hundred thirty million dollars, <laughs> that's nothing. Uh, that's all a lot of money to me. Uh, the next spring, Marin devised a lottery to sell the house. He would sell one hundred and seventy-six thousand lottery tickets at twenty-five dollars each. Then, in the end, the mortgage would be paid off. So he bought lottery tickets. No, no, no. Oh, he what? sold lottery tickets to people. And if I guess if you As win, a scam? if you win, you win the house. This is a scam, right? I guess so. I don't I mean like, well, I, you know, nobody's going to win. Probably something like that, I would assume. Well, because you said lottery tickets. I'm thinking he bought them and didn't resold. And I was like, no, no, he, like, he didn't. He didn't buy them. He like, like made some lottery scam. tickets that said like <laughs> this a is house. And then he, he sold one hundred and seventy six thousand lottery tickets at twenty five dollars a piece. And apparently if he sold one hundred seventy six thousand dollars, one hundred seventy six thousand tickets, he would pay his mortgage off. But then. If the if it's not a scam, somebody wins the house. But okay, it's not. Uh, I mean, it's genius. Yeah, right. <laughs> a lottery for your house—that's kind of fly. Like that's a that's one of those that's a scam of, at a level where that's kind of impressive. At twenty five dollars a ticket. Twenty five dollars a ticket, man. Because any that's not a lot to anybody who's like, but you can win a mansion, so you don't even miss the money. And then he gets one hundred and seventy six thousand twenty five dollar payments. That is nuts. That's pretty crazy, man. That's that's a different mind state. That's that's wow. scammer. That's scammer. That's scammer goals. Yeah. Uh, then in the end, the mortgage would be, would be paid off. Marin would make a profit, and the rest would go to a worthy charity he had chosen, a so crisis they, center for children. Does so, he not I, work anymore? Or? I guess not. I guess maybe he maybe made he a lot of money and retired. In two thousand eight, he was like kind of you know he's in like you know fifties, fifty plus. Like he was a little older. So, so he needed money. He well, he couldn't afford to fund his lifestyle. He was living in this giant mansion that cost all this money. But apparently, he's like, hell no, he got too much. But I'm not selling my house. <laughs> <laughs> not only is he selling his house, but apparently, the as far as the plan goes, at twenty five dollars a ticket for one hundred seventy five thousand tickets, his his mortgage would be paid off in full. The person would get the house, and then there would be some money left over. And he said, I'm, he was going to give that to a charity. So. He wasn't scamming. It really wasn't. He oh, did the math on it. Got you. He did the oh, math okay. on it, and he just wow. wanted to get out of the house. So maybe he was still working. He just he just didn't want to have the house anymore. And this was he got. Sometimes you get upside down on a house. You can't get out of it. This was his his solution to that. So it's actually pretty clever. Cool. Yeah, it's actually pretty clever. That's pretty smart. Hmm. Uh, Later, he would explain his plan to New Times reporter Paul Rubin. He said, "I thought here's my chance. I'm going to sell this house 
I'm going to sell this house anyway and pay a real estate agent $200,000 or $300,000. Why not sell it a little bit at a time with the raffle? Why not? Why not? Oh, yeah. Why not sell it a little bit at a time with the raffle? I wasn't going to make any money on the deal. Just get out of just get out of it and what I put into it and move along. Mm -hmm. If it went well, the center would have gotten maybe five hundred thousand dollars. So it sounded like a great thing. No downside. So that was him explaining, like, I just wanted to get out of the house and I wasn't looking to make a profit. I just wanted to get out of the house and whatever money I made from it, I was going to give to. He just wanted to come out on top mm -hmm. like any good, you know, business person. Like, I want to make a profit on this investment. And he found a way to do that. Uh, in May 2009, Marin climbed Mount Everest. He thought publicity from the climb would aid in the sale of the lottery tickets. He did live interviews with a, with a local TV station while he was at, while he was a top Everest. Mm. So while he just did this amazing thing, he's like, also go on to michaelmarin.com and buy a lottery ticket. You can win my mansion. Wouldn't you want to live in the mansion of a man who climbed Mount Everest? It would make you feel like you live in Mount Everest. And people were like, I would, you know, uh -huh. you know, the sheep of the world. Like, Oh, if, if I can win that mansion, my life will be like Michael Marin's life. No. And then I'll climb Mount Everest someday. Right. It's a lot of people that could fall for that kind of it's thing. It's a free house though. For sure. If you win. Yeah. That's the thing win. about the lottery. Yeah. <laughs> it's like every it's uh it's sixty billion dollars. If you win. You know. Why wouldn't I spend four hundred dollars on lottery tickets? It's for sixty billion dollars. Why wouldn't I spend a dollar? Because that's all I'm gonna spend on a lottery ticket. Sure. But even in that you're like, I gotta spend a dollar. It's That's a chance fine. to win $60 billion. Yeah, it's a dollar. And then you don't win and somebody got a dollar from you, you know? That's fine. Oh, it is fine when you only spend a dollar. <laughs> there, there are people spending a lot more than a dollar. $400,000 from tickets, I'm, I'm Yeah, no, you suck my ass. I'm not, not spending $400,000 on lottery tickets. And then you just and then the next day comes and it's like, well, you didn't win. And you no. just lost $400,000? Nah, I'm all right. No, thank you. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So, uh, But then state authorities determined that the lottery was illegal and shut it down. The lottery drawing was supposed to be on July 4th, 2009. On July 5th, Marin called 911 to report that his house was on fire and that he was going to escape using a rope ladder. He claimed he was asleep inside the house when he heard the smoke alarms. As he struggled through the thick smoke, he remembered that he had, scuba, he had a scuba tank in his bedroom closet. He said he put on the tank and mask, climbed out a window, and descended down a rope ladder to escape. On what? A two-story mansion? Three-story mansion? I mean, a mansion, I would assume, is at least two stories. Maybe three. But, you know, yeah, that's time, not the craziest all part. All that time, so. a tank and a rope and yeah, to, make sure it's safe. Listen, I'm a, a little... People who don't know, a lot of people I've never spoken about it. I burned my arm when I was 13 years old. Uh, I left a pot of grease on fire. I left the pot of grease on, and if you leave it on too fire, it'll catch on fire. You I can't... Leave it on too long, catch on fire. Yeah, leave it on... Okay. What did I say? Leave it on too fire, it catch on fire. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, why? Wow. <laughs> uh, if you leave, if you leave it on too long, it'll catch on fire. So I came downstairs and the pot was on fire. Luckily for me, I was such a stupid child that pure caveman instincts kicked in, and I just swatted the pot off of the stove, and wow. the grease splashed on my arm, and that's how I burned my arm. Hmm. If I was in a mind state where I overthought that, I probably wouldn't be here today because if I had thought about trying to do it in some kind of smart way to put me I would have poured water on it as thir at 13 you're like that's how you put out a fire yeah that would have went up you yeah. know like and you know don't ever pour water on a grease fire right. I didn't know that I just instinctively was like oh fire swat and I swatted it with a with a towel to knock it off the stove it worked mm -hmm. but like I said it splashed on my arm but me at the time if I had 
done what he's saying he did like oh i remembered in the middle of all my smoke everywhere i took a second took a breath and remembered i have scuba gear in my closet i'm gonna put that on and repel out a wind if i had thought about that too much i would have definitely poured a pot of water and yeah. threw it on that fire so i don't believe you know i believe in there's you know fight or flight some people freeze up some people act i yeah. believe in that but what he's saying is so detailed and harrowing and incredible I just don't believe in the face of danger like that, you're going to think that much. Now, to repel that out a window, sure. Yeah, repel out a window, sure. Pour a pot of water and throw it on a fire, sure. But, like, no. I, um, what he's saying is crazy. I just did the purest, like, instinctual yeah. thing I could think yeah. of. It wasn't super well thought out. He's saying, like, there was smoke everywhere, but then I remembered to myself the scuba gear. I mean, you know. But anyway, I'll get to, I'll get to why that's so crazy. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so he, he, you know, he put on this scuba gear and escaped down a lot, uh, down a ladder, uh, out one of his windows, uh, media responded to his incredible escape that evening. He did interviews from his hospital bed, arson investigators and the insurance company that held Marin's home insurance policy took a closer look. Marin's prized paintings were not in the house when it burned down, mm. nor was his pet macaw. Mm. He had a pet macaw. Was it a bird? Yeah, I believe the macaw is like a like a like an eagle or something. Mm -hmm. I could be wrong, but it's, it's some kind of bird. Uh, they found boxes full of old telephone books stacked end to end, as if to fuel the fire. Yeah, and they claimed the fire had been intentionally started in four separate spots in the home. It's nuts how they can figure that out. Oh yeah, man. I'm t every uh, every aspect of like criminal investigations has a science to it at this point. That's crazy. It's, and it, this was in 2009, but still, you're like. Here's smoke marks or mm. whatever. This is uh, some kind of uh, accelerant was poured here. I, there's this. Is, there was like gasoline used here. We can we can test it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you you can't get away with anything. <laughs> uh, prosecutors charged Marin with arson of an occupied structure, a crime with penalties as severe as second degree murder, even though the occupant was Marin himself. He was arrested on August 19, 2009 and spent 10 days, in 10 days in jail before being released on bond. His former attorney, Richard Gearloff, claimed that the fire, w the fire had started in an electrical box and that the boxes of the phone books were in such a position because Marin was only moving in. I mean, felt like he, I mean, he had, he had been there for like a year, I guess, but like who has just boxes of phone books in 2008? I... After like 2003, a phone book was like, oh my God, why are they still delivering yeah. these? Like, no, people stopped using phone books after like mm -hmm. 2000. So to have a bunch of boxes of them is, that's not a good excuse. But you got to be a lawyer and you got to, you know, defend your client, whatever. You know, he just had boxes of phone books because that's what he was moving into his new home. He had, he had to get his phone book collection in. <laughs> he hadn't gotten a chance to get a library for his phone book collection. Um, uh, Marin worked with resins, which could explain the open containers of acetone that the arson investigators suggested were accelerants. So I think, I don't know what acetone is, but it's, you know, some kind of flammable chemical. Mm -hmm. And those were just open around the house. Uh, but Marin was out of money because they shut down his lottery scheme. And then the day after they, the lottery was supposed to happen, Fire went up. His, his house burned down mysteriously. Uh, so Marin was out of money. Prosecutors later showed that his bank account had dwindled from about $900,000 in 2008 to $42,000 just before the fire. His 401k had only $50 in it. Wow. And he was facing new legal expenses. In September 2009, he sent an email to his friend, his friends, asking if they could help him financially. Uh, 
the the email said alternative or alternatively perhaps you or someone you know might like to take advantage of my situation and purchase one or more of my remaining assets from me at rock bottom fire sale prices if you will pardon the unfortunate metaphor he wrote so he he was like you know fire sales like just whatever Everything bottom b- bottom yeah. low price but he's like <laughs> that was not an, on purpose it was just a little joke which <laughs> which if you write that in the email it means like you it was a joke yeah if you bring attention to something in writing <laughs> usually it's like it was a joke when you write if you write like no pun intended you meant you you noticed that how that could come across mm-hmm. and you could have changed it but you didn't so you wanted it to be a little bit of a funny uh so he said uh how would you like to buy a picasso on the cheap or an airplane i've exhausted all my other options i am literally at the end of my rope also, just a joke, because I don't know if you if you read the article, but I repelled out of my house on a rope ladder. But it, it wasn't a joke. It just it just is coincidence. This guy. <laughs> uh, he needed somewhere to live while awaiting trial. So Jan Brew, Marin's best friend of 12 years, former girlfriend and business partner, took him into her Chandler home. By April 2011, he had left. He had let Gearloff go, probably because he couldn't pay him, and uh, requested a court-appointed attorney. At the end of the required financial statement, he penned a note explaining that he he no longer had any assets. A month later, in May 2011, he bought a canister of cyanide from a California mail order chemical supplier for $93.77, including shipping. That same month, two of Marin's friends were struck by a post on Facebook in which he asked something like, what would you do if you only had a short time to live? Robert Morgan Fishin, Robert Morgan Fisher, a childhood friend of Marin's who had recently reconnected with him on Facebook, was alarmed by the post. Recently, when he went back to the site to look for it, he found out he found it had been he found it had been deleted. Fisher's own res, Fisher's own response was still there, asking if Marin was in bad health or if or if something else was going on. Former girlfriend Kristen Martin saw it too, and in hindsight, she related it to something Marin had once said about his detention in Malaysia as if he was saying he would never go to prison. She said he told me he would never be in the in a situation like that again as far as when he was in a Malaysian prison. I'm not ever. That was terrible. I'm never going back to a prison. Mm-hmm. Uh, in December 2011, Marin contacted Fisher on Facebook to tell him he had written a play about his 10 days in jail after his arrest. Fisher is a writer and a song and a singer-songwriter. And Marin wanted his opinion as to whether the play was any good. The play's main character is named Michael Marin. Very arrogant. Uh, and he is in jail after being falsely accused of burning down his house. This is not it. This is about him? <laughs> yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just, it's just a, a play about his life. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so he's in jail after being falsely accused of burning down his own house. Uh, the character Marin has also climbed Mount Everest, so he's really reaching into the world of fantasy for this. Just yeah. really writing something really uh, never heard before. I reached the summit a little over three months ago. He says it's been downhill ever since. And one beat later, I've always uh, I've wanted to say that ever since I got arrested. Wait. And one beat later, oh, and one leap, one beat later in in his play. He said, I've all I've wanted to say that ever since I got arrested. So in his play, in his play script, there's a little joke about how he climbed a mountain and then his life has been downhill ever since. Hilarious. Now, in his play, he's going to tell a story about what happens at the end. But it really happened. 
in this play is just about, oh man, I'm in jail for 10 days on false charges. Oh. My name's Michael Marin. No relation to the real Michael Marin, but it is. It's just his life. It's, oh. his, it's this play he wanted to make. Uh, he talks about his time in Asia, his mountain conquest, his brushes with death, his artwork, but then the arrogant promo turns into heartfelt confessional. The tough guy voice softens, and the inner Michael Marin emerges. I really don't know what things are like for most people, but for most of my life, I've been terribly insecure, he says. I'd like to think that for all my strengths and weaknesses, good points and bad points, successes and failures, I am fundamentally a good person, worthy of being loved and accepted just the way I am, simply because I'm a human being, but it seems like the only forms of love and acceptance I've ever experienced are highly conditional. See, what I thought, so he, so this is just him saying, you know, I was put in jail for burning down my house. Or Falsely. False. Okay. See, what I'm thinking is him doing his story, he, so he does put it out though, right? Well, he sent it to his friend and now after his death, which I'll get to, uh, his friend's like sharing it with you oh, know, reporters. I thought he put it in there like, then I was charged of killing four people. And you're like, what, what? No. And then they find out he ended up killing four people? No. This story, again, this story, it's not, it's, it's not a typical affirmative oh, murder, okay. so it doesn't, it doesn't end like that. That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> At the end of the play, the main character is beaten unconscious by, sher- by sheriff's detention officers and one presumes left to die. Hmm. On May 20th, Michael Marin made this post on Facebook. It said, three years ago today, I was on top of the world. Tomorrow, my trial begins. One ceases to recognize the significance of mountain peaks if they are not viewed occasionally from the deepest valleys. Mm. Ooh, bars. Yeah. Let, me, let me repeat that. One ceases to recognize the significance of mountain peaks if they are not viewed occasionally from the deepest valleys. Mm. So, it's, you know, you got highs and lows, man. It's just the way life it's goes. Life, yeah. yeah. The opening arguments in Marion's arson trial were on the morning of May 21st. Deputy County Attorney Chris Rapp said, Michael Marin couldn't pay his mortgage, so he burned down his house. <laughs> end of my <laughs> end of my opening. Uh, <laughs> that's it. Boom. Uh, your witness. <laughs> uh, Marin's defense attorney, Lindsey Abramson, countered, the state wants you to make a leap that because he is eccentric, because he saved his own life wearing a scuba suit, that he committed arson. That wasn't great. He put uh, that scuba suit upstairs. Yeah. So they want you to believe that just because his house was on fire and he's a little wacky, that it's <laughs> hard to believe that he just spontaneously remembered that he had a scuba suit, put it on, and repelled out of the window like Metal Gear Solid. Correct. Okay, well then that's your witness. <laughs> that is my closing defense. What? That's not even good. <laughs> the, the the prosecutor kept it simple. Like, uh, he didn't have any money, so he burned his house down. And got, he wanted the insurance Case check. Case closed. That's it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, Abrams, Abramson pointed out that many of the prosecution's experts were paid for by the insurance company that covered the house. Sure, it's a little funny, but they want to make sure they don't have to pay this guy. Mm. I mean, you know, so whatever. Uh, at the at trial, forensics accountants detailed Marin's finances and arson investigators went through their findings. Marin did not testify. To his friends... Marin seemed optimistic and controlled despite the pressure. He made Facebook posts with quotation with quotations by the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and Will Smith okay. and others. Uh, one of the quotes said, in the end, we will we will remember not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. Ooh, bars. Mm. Mm. And if you're absent during my struggle, don't expect to be present during my success. Mm. 
he's like a rapper. He was going through it like he was trying to beat a murder trial. <laughs> it's like some Snoop Dogg shit. Uh, he was outwardly upbeat. Susie Spicer, Marin's last girlfriend, was with him during the trial. The two had met sometime in 2011, Spicer said. Uh, um, I don't know what that word is. Uh, they met on top of a camelback mountain. So they met, they met doing what he loved to do. In the last weeks, Michael was very much at peace and very focused on actively working towards feeling happy despite his life circumstances. Spicer said in an uh, email that he was very spiritual. He meditated daily and spent weekends mountain climbing and canyoneering, which is some other kind of Caucasian activity that I don't know what it is. Climbing canyons or walking through can I don't know. <laughs> uh, Marin, however, fought, uh, fought with his court-appointed attorneys. He especially felt they didn't understand relevant fire science that would exonerate him. Because, of course, he did. That's the arrogance. Like, do you guys even know about arson? Because I know everything about arson. The people Michael, that do it for a living? Huh? The people that do it for a living? No, his lawyers. They, he was oh, saying, so, he, oh, he was okay. telling his lawyers, like, you guys need to look into this. I mean, look at this. This arson. I know about arson. I know everything about arson. It's like, Michael, that's not, don't say that in here. That doesn't <laughs> sound good that you know about arson. You shouldn't. That's <laughs> fighting against you. So just shut up. Uh... <laughs> Uh, in a note that his family and, and closest friends received after his death, uh, ostensibly to relay his wishes for his burial, he said, I wrote lengthy memoranda to help my lawyers, but it was like I was playing piano for ducks. They just didn't get it at all. So he should have just rep represented himself, even though yeah. he failed in fucking traffic court. But yeah, tell your lawyers how to do whatever. After his death, Marin's son Paul posted a message to one of Marin's Facebook friends saying his father felt the investigation was biased and flawed, that the prosecution was overzealous and unfair, and that his defense was grossly inadequate and the sentencing was overly harsh. He prepared a document for us to release concerning his vision of how his defense should have gone. We, his kids, are unsure as to whether releasing this would add fuel to the undesired raging media attention. And then he was like, I know I said fuel, but I didn't mean it that way. It just, I, it's just a coincidence. Mm. No pun intended. Like father, like son. Uh, so the verdict was reached on the morning of June 28th. It was, it was to be read at 1 p.m. Marin messaged Spicer to pick him up and they went to court in her, in her car. He had already emailed someone in his family to let them know where his car would be, where his car would be found in the event things went bad. The hearing began late. Marin sat at the defense table Spicer sat behind him in the gallery. The jury entered and the clerk read the verdict. Marin closed his eyes in despair when he heard the word guilty and the jurors found it to be a dangerous crime, which meant he would not be eligible for parole and would be taken immediately into custody to await sentencing. He rubbed his hands on his face with one hand cupped and he brought them back down. It appears that it appeared as if he opened his mouth and swallowed something. The jury left the courtroom. Judge Bruce Cohen was talking to the attorney, talking to the attorneys about how they would argue the next the trial's next phase when the jury would decide if Marin was eligible for a harsher than average prison sentence. Cohen would make the final decision. The usual or presumptive sentence was 10 to 12 years in prison. But Cohen have but Cohen could have given Marin up to 21 years. About seven minutes had passed since the clerk read the verdict. Marin looked to Spicer and nodded. He mouthed the words, I love you, and she said the same back to him. 
He reached out as his attorney's uh, as, as his attorney's paralegal offered him a box of tissues, then put his head down. Spicer heard him say, I can't do this. He began shaking. Suddenly, Marin gasped like a man who had been holding his breath underwater and finally breached the surface. He started to collapse forward, making a sound, snoring, making a loud snoring noise as if his trachea were a balloon releasing air. Abramson, his attorney, caught him as he buckled toward the floor. Nearly everyone in the courtroom froze, but Spicer, Spicer rushed forward and she, had, she and Abramson laid Marin on his back and tore off his tie and opened his shirt collar. The judge stayed on the bench, watching in shock. The prosecutor stared blankly. Uh, Marin's other attorney paced anxiously. Two dozen spectators sat numbly in the gallery, and a few laughed nervously. They just thought he was, you know, being dramatic. Mm -hmm. um, sheriff's deputies and even the fire captain who had investigated the arson attempted to administer first aid. When clear liquid began to flow from Marin's mouth, they turned on his they turned him on his side to keep him from choking. Spicer laid Marin cheek Sp Spicer laid Marin's cheek on her thigh and stroked his hair. Paramedics arrived uh, and started administering chest pressure. Minutes later, they wheeled Marin out of the courtroom on a stretcher. His cheeks were blue, and he he was already dead. Mm. Uh, and uh, one one of some one of the more popular quotes from him is. Uh, I have dared to climb the highest mountains in the world. Yeah, no, it's that it's that whole I'm not gonna read that again. Mm -hmm. It's that whole thing he said when he was off the off the acid tabs. Yeah. So basically, um now this gets to my point. So Michael Marin uh took cyanide mm -hmm. in in court because he wasn't going back to prison. And the video of this is you can it can actually be found on YouTube of mm -hmm. you can see him cup his mouth and put the pill into his mouth and swallow it and he killed himself in court wow. uh i watched this video a couple weeks ago i, I was watching like crazy courtroom outbursts because i find those entertaining and um his was one of them and i wanted to get the full details of the story and then i found out he had this crazy life um so when i said it was you know it's not a typical affirmative murder it's a little bit different this mm -hmm. week uh i wanted to tell that story because i just thought it was very wolf of wall street like his life and then he ended up killing himself in court um, so that was my affirmative murder this week. The story of Michael Marin and his wild, crazy life that ended in him oh, faking uh, a house burn burning down and putting on scuba gear and climbing out the window. And he thought it was a genius move. Um, so that's that was my story this week. That's crazy. Any questions? No, I'm gonna watch the video when we finish. Please, uh, uh, per, uh, not suitable for work advisory. Uh, it's not like graphic or anything, but like it's a guy dying. Mm -hmm. So you know, it's pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, so uh, we're going to keep things moving and uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, it's Fran's turn to tell you guys some fucked up shit. So stick around. All right. And we are back. Uh, Fran, it is on you, please. Your affirmative murder. So my affirmative murder this week is Diane Downs. Okay. Uh, I, I, it's been a while since I've seen this story. I think it was on ID or I've okay. seen it on YouTube. It was it was on, I watched it on TV somehow. Okay. Um, I was looking for something else and then I saw her pop up. So I was like, I'm going to just do this story because I remember it. So... Some people who have listened to this probably heard this story before, I'm sure. Yeah, so this is about Diane Downs. Um, so Diane Downs was born in Phoenix, Arizona on August 7, 1955, to Danish Danish and English-American parents Wesley Linden and Wildine Fredrickson. Oh. Yeah. Uh, she claimed that her father abused her when she was a child, although she later recanted these allegations. Both parents denied that, that any such incidents ever took place. 
Diane graduated from Moon Valley High School in Phoenix, where she met her husband, Stephen Downs. Steve Downs. After high school, she enrolled at Pacific Coast Baptist Bible College in Orange, California, but was expelled after only one year for promiscuous behavior and soon returned to her parents' parents' home in Arizona. Well. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know you could get suspended for that. Right. Um, On November 13th, 1973, Diane married Steve Downs after running away from home. The first child was Christy Ann, uh, was born in 1974, Cheryl Lynn followed in 1976, with Stephen with Daniel being born in 1979. The couple divorced in 1980 because Steve thought Stephen Daniel, or Stephen Daniel, known as Danny, was the result of an affair Diane had. Mm. Um, on May 8th, 1982, Downs gave birth to the daughter through surrogacy. She named the child Jennifer before turning her over to her intended parents. Prior to her arrest, Downs was employed. Dan Downs was employed by the United States Postal Service. I didn't know this until I read the story. Oh, damn. <laughs> it's just a coincidence? Yeah. <laughs> uh she assigned the mail she assigned to the mail routes um in the city of Cottage Grove, Oregon. Her daughter Cheryl reportedly told a neighbor of her grandparents that she was afraid of her mother shortly before her death. On May 19th, 1983, Downs shot her three children and drove them in a blood a blood spattered car to McKenzie William Met Hospital. Okay. Upon arrival, Cheryl was already dead. Danny was paralyzed from the waist down, and Christy had suffered a disabling stroke. Downs herself had been shot in the left arm, in the left forearm. She claimed that she was carjacked on a rural road near Springfield, Oregon, oh. by a strange man who shot her and the children. However, investigators and hospital workers became suspicious because they decided. Her manner was too calm for a person who had experienced such traumatic events. She also made a number of statements that both police and hospital workers considered highly inappropriate. Mm. Suspicious heightened when Downs, upon arrival to the hospital to visit her children, phoned Robert Knickerbocker, a married man and and former co-worker in Arizona, with whom she had been having an extramarital affair. The forensic evidence did not match her story. There was no blood splatter on the driver's side of the car, nor was there any gunpowder residue on the driver's door Mm. or on the interior door panel. Mm. Knickerbocker also reported to police that Downs had stalked him and seemed willing to kill his wife um, if it meant that she could not have him to herself. He He stated that he was relieved that she had left for Oregon and he was able to reconcile with his with his with his wife. Downs did not disclose police she owned a 22 caliber handgun, but both Steve Downs and Knickerbocker informed them that she did. Mm. Investigators led discovered Downs bought the handgun in Arizona, and although they were unable to find an actual weapon, they found unfired casings at her home with extractor markings from the same gun that she that she shot her children. Mm. That shot oh. her children. Oh, most damaging uh, witnesses saw her car being driven very slowly toward the hospital as an estimated speed to five five to seven miles per hour. Contradicting her claim that she was that she drove to the hospital at high speed after the shooting. So you know, oh, so her whole story is just falling apart. Yeah. Wow. Based on this and additional evidence, Downs was arrested on February twenty eighth, nineteen eighty four, nine months after shooting and charged with one count of murder and two counts of each attempted murder mm. and criminal assault. So her kids they didn't they didn't die. I think two of them did, one of them didn't. So who survived? 
Um, well, it gets to it. Uh, I can't. Rem- I don't remember her name until I get to it. Oh, okay, okay. Um, whoever it was, the one that had the um the stroke. Is okay, the one okay, okay. So prosecutors argued that Down shot her children to be free of them, so she could continue her affair with Nickelback, mm, like Chris Watts. Yep, mm. and she claimed that. She's a better one up. Yeah, she is. I was people downstairs. As she claimed that he let it be known that he did not want children in his life. So oh, wow. that's why she went on to do what she did. Much of the case against her rested on the testimony of her surviving daughter, Christy, who, once she co- recovered her ability to speak, discovered how her mother shot all three children while parked at a side while parked at the side of the road and then shot herself in the arm. Oh, Christy wow. was yeah. Christy was eight years old at the time of the murders and nine years old at the time of the trial. So down, what was amazing is she was able to um, be able to speak again and to tell yeah. the actual story of what happened. Jesus. So Downs was convicted on all charges on June seventeenth, nineteen eighty four, and sentenced to life in prison plus fifty years. Oh my God. She would have. She would have. She would have to serve twenty five years before being considered for parole. Psychiatrists diagnosed her with nar- narcissistic his histrionic his, uh-huh. um antisocial personality disorder I'm sure I said that other word wrong yeah um most of her sentence is to be served um consecutively the judge made it clear that he did not intend her did not intend for downs ever to be free um so what happened was her daughter ended up going on mm-hmm. Oprah oh um, wow. 2020 yeah um, telling the story and then her daughter was um end up being adopted by the prosecutor, I guess her mom's lawyer, I think. Oh wow! That fought for her in court, so she ended, he ended up adopting her. But um, she she went on try to get you know parole for years and years, and yeah, it I'm just sure. it never yeah. happened. Yeah. She was it wasn't going down. Yeah. Um. So, so yeah. So Downs faced her second parole hearing in December tenth, twenty in twenty ten. She was denied parole and under a new law would not be eligible for parole for another ten years. She would have to wait to apply for parole until 2020, which is next oh, year, yeah. which was she would be 65 years old. And she probably won't get it then either. No, but that was Diane Downs. You you can look that up. I can't remember exactly where I saw, it, but it is a video, a documentary of it. Yeah, and that's you type Diane Downs on YouTube. I'm sure yeah, whatever that's, it is will come up. Yeah, so I thought when I saw it pop up, um, I was like, I remember this story, and that's why I wanted to do it again. It's crazy, man. People, what people are capable of. Uh, I don't know if it's the narcissism part of it where you could just be like, uh, I don't want to be these kids' parents anymore. I want to date this girl that I'm having an affair with, or I want to date this guy I'm having an affair with. So I'll just kill them. Just and because then I'll be just free because of a them. guy goes, I don't want children in my life. Yeah. All right, well, I can, get rid of I can eliminate that. Yeah, I can not be a, a parent anymore. But That's nuts. Very similar, he to, probably Chris has something very similar to the yeah. Chris Watts story. He probably has something to do with it. He probably was lamp pipe. She was like, you know, I got to do what I got to so do. If only you didn't have those kids, wink. Yeah, he had some to, uh, maybe. Oh, she just crazy. Well, yeah, or she but, just made you know, her own assumptions about it. Yeah, but that was Dion Downs. Y'all can go ahead and look that video up. Oh, I thought geez, it was, that's nuts. It that's was crazy. Yeah, yeah, nice, nice, short and sweet. Um, unfortunately, folks, I have uh, a recital to get to for my sister. I will not be able to frazzle friend this week as much as I want to get my revenge. My revenge will be had, though. Please do not. I mean, assure you of that. Okay, it, I will have my revenge. But it will not be this week. So uh, with that being said, we have to get out of here. I've been Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Franco Evans. And we'll see you guys next week. Yeah, deuces. And we'll see you guys next week. And then my revenge will be had.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. <laughs> 